What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and every month I make sure I go through and update the Dynasty rankings on the Patreon. You can find them patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, but that is what I happen to be doing this weekend. So now it is Tuesday today, just updated the rankings, which means you guys are going to get Dynasty content this week. Starting today, we're going to go through five players that are skyrocketing up my rankings. As you guys can see, in the rankings themselves, you can see their uh, change from last ranking. So like J.K. Dobbins has gone up eight spots since my last ranking. You can see within the positional tiers here that we're looking at where their tier breaks are, the change in rank since last ranking. So DeAndre Swift has gone down three spots since May. You have J.K. Dobbins going up eight spots since May. You have their RS grade, so their prospect tier, legendary, elite, gold, silver, bronze. And then I have buy-sell recommendations for every single player in my top 300 dynasty ranking. So that is all up, all live, all brand new for you guys to consume. But if you can't support there, that is what today's video is for. I'm going to go through and highlight the five players that move the most from my May Dynasty Rankings update to my June Dynasty Rankings update. So with all that being said, if you enjoyed this video, if you learned something new, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now at the top here, this is going to be kind of obvious, but I think it's worth talking to because I don't know that anybody has talked through this Vikings backfield situation as it pertains to Dynasty, right? Since the last update, right, May, now it's June, we have Dalvin Cook getting cut. And I think that that's obvious uh, at this point, but I do want to just kind of talk through what that means for these Vikings running backs in Dynasty, right? So Adam Schefter tweets out, like, this is, what, June 9, so that's 11 days ago. Unable to find a last-minute trade partner, Dalvin Cook is now released. So now we have a backfield that has about, you know, 300 touches unaccounted for from Dalvin Cook. This is a offense that was eighth-highest in scoring last year. It's a really good spot, and it pushes up everybody. Now, we're going to go through them one by one, but when we talk through where I had them ranked Last update and where I have them ranked now, we have Alexander Madison went from my 1507 as my RB50 to my 1006 as my RB27. So he moved up like 23 running back spots after this release. Actually, I decided we're going to talk through each running back of this backfield one by one. So we're going to start off with Alexander Madison. Again, he goes up like five rounds of my dynasty rankings. He moves up 23 running back spots. And it's kind of what you have to do uh, at this point, because when we just look from a projection standpoint, if you're projecting this Vikings offense, it's hard for Alexander Madison not to be a top 24 running back in 2023. Now, I will say we're talking about dynasty, but when it comes to running backs, especially Alexander Madison, who's going into year five at this point, redraft matters the most with running backs. They're all short-term assets, unless if you're talking about, you know, your your Bijans, your Breeses. There's a very few Gibbs. There's a very few amount of running backs you can kind of say have like a four-plus-year window. Alexander Madison, not one of them. Now, of course, I moved him up. Mike Clay, those are the projections I love to use. He has him penciled in for about 1,000 scrimmage yards, nine total touchdowns, RB20 in his rankings. That's probably where he should be. Now, I will say, I moved Alexander Madison up. I'm still behind market. I have him as about like a 10.07 type of guy. I think that in ADP, he's like an eighth rounder in Dynasty. So I'm like, I would say two rounds lower. And it's really just, I don't love this profile of, he's pretty much a dead zone running back where he's propped up solely on projection. We haven't really seen him outside of six games without Dalvin Cook in his career. We haven't really seen him emerge or do anything special. He's just kind of stepped up to the occasion a few times when Dalvin Cook has been hurt. 
and that's really it. You know, he hasn't been like Tony Pollard where he's been like so efficient and so explosive that it's just like, why is Dalvin Cook in front of him? He's just kind of been there as a pure bell cow in this offense. Uh, there's also some, you know, outside noise that could sort of affect this projection, right? Of course, you could have them sign a free agent, right? A Leonard Fournette could come in, a Kareem Hunt could come in, an Ezekiel Elliott could come in. Uh, you have three running backs behind them in Keenan Wangwu, Ty Chandler, and Dwayne McBride that I all think could emerge. Um, and we also rarely see a profile like Alexander Madison become this absolute monster down the stretch. We have a couple, you have a couple instances of guys where they're not bell cows in their first four years, like Alexander Madison, and then they kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, I think Michael Turner was one of them, or he was a Falcons running back. Uh, I think that before that, he was stuck behind LT on the Chargers. I could be wrong. That's a little bit before my time there. But you're talking through like Justin Forsett. You can, if you want to squeeze Jamal Charles in there, you kind of can. I think he was uh, buried on the depth chart his first couple years. Um, Jets running back, you can talk about Thomas Jones if you'd like, but you got to like really pick through the outliers. And the big thing with a lot of those guys is that they're drafted late. Alexander Madison's a third round pick, which means that he's afforded the opportunity to ascend up his depth chart early, right? We see guys like Austin Eckler where he's like stuck behind Melvin Gordon early on, Aaron Jones with Jamal Williams, where you have like these day three UDFA guys that kind of work their way up. When you're a third round pick, and it hasn't happened through four years, right? This is a guy who has zero seasons over 500 rushing yards. His career average is 28.3 rushing yards per game in his entire career. When we look through running backs drafted on day two since 2000, under 40 rushing yards per game in their first four years, it's a really ugly list of guys that like never pop off to the point where it's like, man, I regret passing on him. Like This is a list of, like, you're talking about Ronald Jones, Deonta Foreman, TJ Yeldon, Kenyon Drake, on Johnson, Darrell Henderson, Jarek McKinnon, Christine Michael is one of them. Like, there's not anybody on this list that really popped off. I mean, Kevin Falk's a name that I know, but, like, you look up Kevin Falk, I don't think he has a 1,000-yard rushing season. Charles Sims, Duke Johnson. There's just a lot of profiles like this, um, and they rarely work out, right? Again, if you are a running back drafted on day two and you can't earn volume at any point in your first four years outside of just being a handcuff, the odds that you're just going to, like, step into this role and be, like, a perennial RB2 or, like, flirt with 1,000-yard rushing seasons, like, for multiple years in a row, there's just no shot. Like, so the way that I'm viewing Alexander Madison is that he has this one-year window as a dead zone running back that's sort of propped up by projection and propped up by his offense. Again, dynasty, we're betting on these guys long-term, and there's nothing in his profile that I'm excited about. It's purely his situation. So it's just a running back. Like, I've had people ask me, like, are you trading for Alexander Madison? Like, no. Like, his price has skyrocketed a 1,000% since, you know, the last time that um, we've talked about Alexander Madison on here. To me, he's a pretty pretty much a screaming sell at this point where if you can get out of him for, like, a first or something, I don't know if that's on the table, um, I would. I, I will say, just to put a bow on this, I think uh, Dynasty IM, Ian Miller over at the 33rd team kind of uh, put this really well. Said Alexander Madison's heading into his fifth season and has never eclipsed eight fantasy points per game, a 35% carry percentage, and 8% target uh, share, 1.2 yards per team rush attempt, 0.5 yards per team pass attempt, and for that reason, I'm out on Alexander Madison. Um, Ten other running backs also failed to post that in four straight seasons, and none of them went on to have, even have a 12-plus point per game season. Alexander Madison could be the outlier, but again, like he says, you have to pay to find out. And that's where I kind of lose it. Uh, I think it kind of, like, he kind of makes sense to me as, like, Darrell Henderson directly after Cam Akers tore his Achilles, where it was, like, Darrell Henderson was falling out of favor in the Dynasty community, and then he just becomes, like, RB25 that offseason without Cam Akers there, just because of, like, the implied projection and value of what he can give you in that upcoming year. But in terms of, like, 
Algernon Madison being like a staple on your dynasty team for longer than just 2023, um, I would bet against that. Now, the other RBs in this backfield are really interesting, and they're really fun ways to kind of bet against Alexander Madison. And first up, we'll talk about Dwayne McBride, who they just drafted uh, seventh round this year out of UAB. Really interesting profile. Uh, didn't catch any passes. You can see 2% college target share. Not going to catch passes, but 5'10", 215 pounds, early declare out of UAB, which is really rare, right? These small school guys, they don't early declare. Might have hurt him a little bit going seventh round, but he was good enough and he dominated enough that he got drafted early. And he's probably like... He has a chance to be a better pure rusher than Alexander Madison, which will squeeze him out of, like, between the 20s rushes uh, and goal line carries, which I think Dwayne McBride uh, is really good at. When we look at just in terms of him versus all other college rushers, now this is a chart from, I believe, Arjun uh, on Twitter. I can't remember his last name, but he worked for PFF. He might work for Sumer Sports now. Really sharp kid. Um, Dwayne McBride, his yard to the contact per attempt is that first one, 100th percentile. Missed tackles force percent, uh, per attempt, 97th percentile. Explosive run percentage. 100th percentile if you look up his game logs this kid was just dominating uh whatever conference uab is and i know it's like not great competition but he was murdering these kids rushed for like 1700 rushing yards just an absolute beast so he's like 5 10 215 pounds i don't think that he'll ever have a three uh down roll in this offense but super efficient rusher in college Probably takes away rush attempts between the 20s. Probably takes away goal line carries from Alexander Madison. Can maybe emerge for more than that. And I think if Alexander Madison was to go down, my guess is that he's probably the first that gets called to fill those attempts uh, rather than Keenan Wangwu or Ty Chandler. Now, I will say with Dwayne McBride, not a huge jump. I had him at uh, 1707 as my RB67. I now have him as my 1608 as my RB57. So he went up 10 running back spots a full round uh, in, in the rankings. Now, next after that, we have two running backs that were unranked uh, in my dynasty rankings last time, but now find themselves in the rankings. We have first Ty Chandler, who is a running back out of, where is he out of? North Carolina, uh, played with Sam Howell, I believe. Uh, he went from being unranked in my rankings to being my 1908 as my RB69. So just two spots, or no, he's like 12 spots below Dwayne uh, McBride. But he's an interesting profile. Like I didn't really love him coming out, but... Uh, 5'11", 2'04", he's on the smaller side. Ty Johnson, a great comp for him where he's, you know, ran a 4'3", 8", uh, is undersized but catches passes. So that's interesting where he could, uh, you know, squeeze Madison from the other direction where he's then taking passing down snaps, uh, targets, uh, all of that. And then we also have a third back that I didn't really uh, account for, but he's starting to get some buzz. We have Keenan Wangwu, who was Brees Hall's backup out of Iowa State, never really did much. Uh, I believe he tore his Achilles in his final year at Iowa State, which is pretty brutal. Uh, but he did run a 4-3 at his pro day. He's really fast. He's kind of a similar profile to Ty Chandler. I think it's going to come down to Keenan Wangwu uh, and Ty Chandler to be the third down back. So that's tough where you have this bigger, really efficient between the tackles runner that can squeeze Madison out of just rushing uh, attempts and goal line carries. And then you have two backs that probably profile a little bit better as pure satellite backs than an Alexander Madison. So he's kind of getting squeezed from both directions and become it can become a pretty pure uh, committee here. So just things to sort of look at. Keenan Wangwu, he becomes, after being unranked, I think he's like a, maybe a 21st round guy in my rankings. He becomes RB84. We I rank like 100 plus running backs 
Uh, I rank 100 running backs in the dynasty ranking, so that's why it goes down so far. But Ty Chandler uh, and Keenan Wangu, two names to know. Keenan Wangu here, there's like quotes. It's really early right now, but there is quotes out of camp where running back Keenan Wangu is vying for the backup job behind Alexander Madison. Uh, and Wangu offers a change of pace style that has been evident for a couple years on kick returns. He's been really explosive with kick returns. Uh, he frequently was used alongside Cousins in 11 on 11 snaps and could earn that spot depending on the development of Chandler and rookie Dwayne McBride. So I think that they're all going to sort of find their roles. Um, and I would just be very cautious about anointing Alexander Madison, the pure three-down bell cow in this offense, and the pure three-down bell cow in this offense for longer than just 2023. Now, moving on from the, Ra the uh, I almost said Ravens, but moving on from the Vikings backfield, I feel like we spent a long time talking about them, but I think it will do you guys some good because I don't think that anybody's really covering them from a dynasty standpoint or just the entire backfield. Uh, but next, we're going to have Jahan Dotson, and he goes from my 707 is my wide receiver 35 to my 606 is my wide receiver 31 so i move him up about a round in like four wide receiver spots it's not that much of a bump up but i just wanted to make uh it clear i used to have him in a tier like we know when we we're doing the rookie um wide receiver report i used to have like burks and pickens used to be in their own tier and then i kind of looked at Jahan dots in a tier below them after some research, to me, they're all in the same tier. I think Traylon Burks, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson. We talked about them in the year two point per game uh, projection wide receiver stuff uh, video. To me, Jahan Dotson isn't a tier below. I didn't really like him coming out. Uh, but I think Jacob Sanderson kind of put his bowl case uh, in perspective for me uh, with this tweet. Where pretty much what he says is when we look at... Now, it's, of course, it's dangerous to look at splits like this. But when we look at Jahan Dotson's last five games, he had above a 20% target per out run, above a two-yard yard per out run. He had an above an 80 PFF receiving grade, and he had 14.4 points per game. That is really, really good. Now, he said if it was sustained, sustained over a full year, uh, it wasn't. Don't pretend it was. He should be ranked at the bottom of the elite tier of the 2022 wide receiver class. So he's saying if he sustained that over an entire year, he's probably wide receiver four behind, you know, Olave, London, Garrett Wilson. Uh, he said, my issues with Pickens and Dobbins uh, or Dotson's full season profile is it is hard to project the necessary target share growth to be an elite fantasy option from their year one because they were already full-time players. They have less room to grow from simply gaining routes like Burks and Watson. However, if you want to tell yourself a story, here's Dotson's. A, his day one full-time role hurts his season-long per route profile because he wasn't scaling up as he grew in skill. B, his injury limited the amount of healthy routes he could provide to offset his early season data. So what he's saying there is really strong to me. I hadn't really uh, looked at where we know rookie wide receivers, they get better as the year goes on. And part of that is that they earn more reps as they go. All right, my allergies are killing me. I don't, I've had to pause because I was coughing like twice now. But rookies, we know they come on at the end of the year, right? Think Amon Ross St. Brown. He was a league winner down the stretch. Think AJ Brown's rookie year. You can look at Ayuk's rookie year. We talked through it every year kind of look at Christian Watson last year but the reason that happens is because a player they like sort of rotate in on the field they become a starter and then their efficiency you know sort of carries over where they have efficiency early on then they get the reps and then they become a starter the efficiency carries over and then boom down the stretch they're great the issue for Jahan Dotson is on day one he was a full-time wide receiver and that was hurting his efficiency because he wasn't playing sparingly he was kind of learning on the fly, which is going to hurt your target per out run, your yards per out run, by getting given all of those routes early on, right? Whereas a wide receiver, a different rookie wide receiver, might play as like the fourth wide receiver and rotate in. And even if he's having bad target per out run, yards per out run, all of that, it's on a smaller percentage of the route. So then early on in the year, you get your full diet of routes and you're more efficient on the back half of the year because you're a rookie, you've learned how to play. 
And then, boom, when you look at the season-long target prout run and yards prout run, you have a bigger sample from that back half of the season where you're playing a full uh, set of routes and you're playing well. Jahan Dotson's a little bit weird because he got on the field early, wasn't drawing targets, wasn't super efficient, got hurt, ramped back up from that injury, and then you just have like a five-game stretch at the end where he was actually really good. The issue is that he played like nine games full route participation that's going to kind of drown out those last five games when he sort of really put it together like a lot of rookie wide receivers do down the stretch. So maybe we're anchoring too hard into his season-long target prout run, yards prout run, because those numbers aren't great. So I kind of like this uh, argument from Jacob Sanderson. I, I've sort of be, been sort of uh, considering moving Jahan Dotson back into this tier. And just across the board, I'm now treating him with your Pickens, with your Traylon Burks. I don't think it's that big of a difference. I do have Christian Watson in tier ahead, but that's just kind of personal preference. Um, the things to kind of latch on to is that, right, what Jacob pointed out here. And then you also have his reception perception, which he absolutely dominated, right? Greens across the board in terms of success by route. Uh, as always, receptionperception.com. Matt Harmon does amazing, amazing work. Make sure you check him out. Um, now, in this blurb, he said, I don't normally talk fantasy in these player profilers as they are pure player evaluations, but I have to note this. I looked over a variety of dynasty rankings last week and was stunned to see Dotson below fellow 2022 rookies like Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, and even George Pickens. That's troubling because he is clearly a better football player right now than all three of them. I think that this helps make the point that the guy is just so underrated because he plays for Washington and thanks to big receiver bias. I don't know if I agree with the last part. I don't know that's because of the helmet or because he's undersized. I think he just wasn't a great prospect and his per route stuff last year wasn't great. Um, but the prospect profile isn't terrible. Like he's still a first round gold for me uh, after like last year's update of the RS grades. And this is what he spit out his year two point per game projection. So I had a video a couple weeks ago. Um, I made a year two point per game projection model that took into account of players like RS grade. So that's their prospect here, right? Elite, gold, silver, uh, bronze, legendary. It takes into account like their routes, their yards per run, their points per game, their offense's efficiency. And it spit out Jahan Dotson directly between Pickens and Traylon Burks. And that kind of told me numbers wise, that's probably where he should be anything lower. And it's probably just personal bias against you not liking the player's profile coming out of school. So we've now moved him up. Uh, he's not the profile I like to chase, but he's really not that much different uh, stature-wise uh, than, you know, your thinner wide receivers that are kind of dominating right now in, like, Devonta Smith you could put in there. Uh, I guess Addison you could put in there. Kind of reminds me of, like, a Marquise Brown you could put in there. Um, so I don't know that Jahan Dotson will ever be a top-five fantasy point-per-game wide receiver, but it seems like he's a skilled wide receiver uh, and has sort of a higher floor than probably Burks and Pickens at this point. So we've moved him up again. We bumped him up a tier. He's like a six-round dynasty pick uh, in the rankings now. Next up, we have J.K. Dobbins, who goes from my 811 as my RB25 to my 703 as my RB17. So he moves up about a round and a half of dynasty ranking ADP and then eight running back spots. And the issue, or not the issue, but kind of what happens here is we talked about it with Alexander Madison in the Vikings backfield. Running backs in dynasty are short-term assets across the board. They get hurt. They stop producing when they're like 28. Um... But with Dobbins, in terms of his short-term outlook and talking a bunch of redraft with you guys right now, just the way I'm ranking J.K. Dobbins, I had to move him up a tier uh, where he used to be in like kind of a that like RB25-ish range where he was like next to, you know, like your Akers, Miles Sanders, your Rashad Whites, Isaiah Pacheco's. To me, I think he probably deserves to be a tier ahead of those guys um, at this point because when we look at just as ADP, when we look at where I ranked him in our RB rankings video uh, last week, I had J.K. Dobbins as my RB 
uh, 19 in a tier ahead of your Akers, Miles Sanders, your uh, DeAndre Swifts of the world. And ADP matches that. Um, in terms of the 2020 running back class, he has the second highest ADP, and it's not very close. And you have Akers, Swift, then Dylan Gibson. Um, but Dobbins... You should probably put some respect on his name. Like he's just 24 at this point. I think that I kept on having him push down the dynasty ranks just because of the injury from last year. He's never back to 100%. But when we kind of zoom out when we look at J.K. Dobbins at this point, when he's been on the field, he's been amazing. Um, I think I was doing I was doing some research. I, I've been going crazy with Stathead on Pro Football Reference, where you can just kind of look up whatever. Uh, I think he's one of seven running backs in the year 2000 that. Um, had over like a 5.7 yards per carry in his first three seasons. I think it was like him, Jamal Charles, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, uh, Alvin Kamara was in there. You had like two other duds, um, but it was really strong. Every time he's been on the field, he's looked explosive. Um, you're now two years removed from the ACL injury that he sustained in 2021. So that's, you know, he's going to be at full health. Uh, I've also been talking about Storm about this Ravens offense. You have Todd Monken coming in, who's going to be much more uh, up-tempo passing the ball, which is good for Dobbins, right? You'll have lighter boxes. The vertical threat will kind of, you know, space things out. But then the the defense and every all the players in the box are still going to have to respect Lamar Jackson on, you know, zone reads and read options. So you get a spot where Dobbins, I mean, he has a 5.9 yards per carry in his career at this point, which is pretty absurd. Um, so he's going to be efficient on a per-touch basis. He's just 24 years old. Um, so that's something I'm interested in, you know. Again, with this offense, there's going to be more light boxes, more plays. Dobbins is going to be efficient. Uh, he kind of reminds me this year of, like, Mark Ingram when he had a top-12 finish, Lamar Jackson's MVP year. If Lamar goes crazy, Dobbins comes with him, and I think that that's a good bet to make this year with the Ravens kind of making their offense more modern, giving Lamar Jackson more weapons than he's ever had. Um, and we look at last year, like, again, that thing of, like, when he was on the field, he looked good. Like, he, he looked good when he was on the field last year. Um, he just didn't have a lot of snaps, right? Early on, I think he came back too quick, right? So, weeks three through six, not good. Like, all below 65 total yards. 51.6% snap share was his highest of the entire year. And he comes back weeks 14 through 19. So, I guess he didn't play week 18. Um, then he played in that first playoff game. But he averaged, like, over 100 yards from scrimmage, despite barely even playing over half the snaps in those games. With the ACL... He was still fifth in yard, rushing yards over expected uh, per attempt last year. He was second in yards per carry. He sat out week seven through 13, then he came back and was amazing, never going over 50% of the snaps. Like, he looked good. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it's sort of crazy um, that whenever he was on the field, he was good. He just, like, wasn't healthy enough to sustain volume. But now we're going to 2023. Uh, he should be healthy. This is a tweet from uh, Deepak Chona. I think I'm murdering that name. But. He is a uh, numbers-driven uh, sports surgeon. I think he graduated from, like, Stanford or somewhere crazy. Uh, he has, like, an algorithm for uh, his injury stuff. He said, J.K. Dobbins' RB numbers drop hard in year one off of multi-ligament surgery. His, his surgery was brutal, by the way. Like, last year, uh, this was not the Brees Hall tear. Like, he tore, like, I think he tore, like, ACL, meniscus, LCL, some hip damage, like, brutal, brutal injury, um, should be back to full health. And this is a thin running back depth chart as well, where it's only Gus Edwards and Justice Hill behind him. Justice Hill, somebody who was fun coming out of Oklahoma State, I believe, um, but nothing crazy. And Gus Edwards isn't a lock to be healthy right now. Uh, apparently his knee is still bothering him. He tore last year, or in 2021, same year as Dobbins, he tore ACL, MCL, and hamstring, but it sort of seemed to have more issues long-term than him. He had an additional, like, ACL rehab surgery he did last offseason, which is pretty brutal. Then he sprained his hamstring last year. He sprained his knee, and apparently his knee is still in rough shape. So 
like the depth charts thin. Maybe they sign him back. Like it wouldn't shock me if they went out and they signed an Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette. But to me, Dobbins at this point, you can pencil him in as healthy. He's going to be the main back on what should be a, a really fun offense, a really high flying offense. So and he's been efficient every time he's touched the football, and he's been good every time he's touched the football. So I'm down to bet on Jacob Dobbins. I moved him back up uh, a tier to being a running back that's like top 20 in Dynasty. He has the youth. He's in a good offense. Um, he's been efficient his entire career. He was a great prospect coming out. Uh, so it's time to sort of buy back into J.K. Dobbins after sort of like shunning him in Dynasty because of that injury uh, from 2021. Now, after that, we have Antonio Gibson, who becomes – our RB34 at 11.10. I used to have him at my 13.01 as my RB41. So I moved him up seven running back spots in about, I would say like a round to two rounds up in the dynasty rankings. And I just keep, I just keep moving Antonio Gibson up, whether it's redraft or whether it's dynasty. And this is a uh, report coming out of camp. Now, of course, it's June. Like take these with a grain of salt, but he's already getting um, a bunch of praise out of camp. I know that this is the, the case every year, and we'll kind of get into that. But it says the drum beat continues to grow louder for Gibson, who appears to be in good favor with new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Gibson is arguably the most versatile back on Washington's roster and has been utilized heavily in the screen game at OTAs and minicamp per The Athletic. Rivera added, Eric wants to make sure Antonio gets as many opportunities right now to show us what he's capable of because I think that'll be a big part of the game planning. Gibson's background as a receiver during his days at Memphis led many to believe he would see receiving work early in his career. While he's managed 124 receptions through his first three seasons, Gibson was always stuck in the shadow of J.D. McKissick, who is currently a free agent. As the hype around Gibson continues to grow, grow it is possible he turned into a high-end RB2 for fantasy if the enemy can deploy him in ways the previous offensive coordinator did not. So he's getting a bunch of buzz and I'm buying in. Uh, you have Eric Bieniemy coming in. Uh, you have to imagine that he'll want to get a running back involved in the passing game. You've seen it with the Chiefs. You saw it with Kareem Hunt. Uh, Eric Bieniemy just the last two years. Jared McKinnon had 56 catches last year. The year before that, Darrell Williams had 47 catches. This offense just seems like there's going to be a running back that is going to get a bunch of catches. And Gibson is coming off a year where he set a career high in catches with 46. He should challenge for like 50-plus uh, and be the receiving back in this offense. Right, Jaden McKissick is a free agent after being on the roster last year. And it's a really interesting spot because he's a profile we want to chase. I think now it's a little bit different because, one, the price is different. You don't have to pay up for him. He's as cheap as he's ever been this offseason, Antonio Gibson. Uh, he's coming off a season where he was actually utilized as a pass catcher. Again, 46 catches with the previous uh, play caller. He's big. He's fast. He catches passes. Like Just everything we want from a profile in terms of hitting on upside and like these double-digit rounds, whether that be dynasty or redraft, he has it all. Uh, six foot almost 230 pounds, under a 4'4", uh, played receiver in college. Even though we're heading into year four, and it still hasn't materialized yet as like a massive, massive breakout, that's still something I'm going to chase. That's still something I'm going to push up my rankings and prioritize. The reasons that I'm optimistic at this point is, again, we have the new coach calling plays who has a history giving running backs a prolific receiving role. Uh, you have a new look offense with Sam Howell, where Sam Howell is this upside bet where uh, the RS grades don't like him, but of course, you know, heading into his final year, he was getting first-round draft buds. He goes fifth round. So that's going to throw off any evaluation regardless. Um, so I think he, he's a profile that has a ton of upside where if he can, you know, prove that the NFL drafted him too late and is amazing and sort of lifts up this entire offense, everybody probably pays off. Uh, Gibson as well has finished as the RB28 in points per game, RB17 and RB16 in his career. And what, he's like my RB34 in Dynasty at this point. Uh, he also was given a lot of volume last year. He wasn't efficient because the offense was bad. Uh, you're kind of hoping that makes a, takes a step forward with Biennemi, uh and Sam Howell. 
But Gibson was the RB19 in expected points per game last year. Expected points per game based on your carries, your targets, your volume. How many points per game should you have scored? He should have been the RB19. The offense was bad. Um, and the interesting thing is that despite Gibson catching a career high in passes, J.D. McKissick last year was fourth in receiving expected points per game. So that's going to open up even more routes, more targets for Gibson. So give me all of that. Gibson as well was top 10 in yards per run and targets per run last year. One of the best receiving backs in the league. He actually proved it last year. So if that all comes together, um, I love it. Again, he's still like a late round pick. Uh, I just want to buy into it uh, at this point. I think, of course, Brian Robinson's there. He doesn't really come off to me as like this really explosive running back that'll hold him off of anything. If anything, I mean, we know the current NFL, there's no really true bell cows. To me, Brian Robinson's just a guy... I guess you could kind of compare it to like Jamal Williams with DeAndre Swift last year. Um, DeAndre Swift was like a top 18 RB in points per game. If Gibson was that, that'd be a win this year. Uh, but, you know, one of those backs, like we've seen it before, you know, your Ingram with your Kamara, your Latavius Murray with your Kamara, um, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. We see it all the time. Like Gibson, he's going to get there on efficiency, touchdowns, receptions. He doesn't need to be a 300-touch uh, bell cow. That's never it's never been who he was going to be either. Right? He came into the league uh, as like a wide receiver running back hybrid that couldn't get carries over, you know, Henderson, Pollard, um, and Kenneth Gainwell. So regardless, I want to buy in. I could kind of see the roles too on this offense sort of being like Brian Robinson's your Pacheco, whereas Gibson's like McKinnon. But if McKinnon was 25 and six foot, 228 pounds, um, so it's really interesting. Very few players that kind of have a profile like that, uh, you know, outside of the top 10 rounds in Dynasty and redraft. So Antonio Gibson, a guy uh, that I'll be drafting a lot of this offseason, moving him up in Dynasty rankings, all of that good stuff. Now, our last guy we'll talk about here, Dalton Schultz. Um, he goes from my 1401 uh, as my tight end 17 to my 1107 as my tight end 16. So only one spot of my tight end rankings, but I moved him up like two and a half rounds. And there's nothing too spectacular here, but... Dolan Schultz, for kind of what you can pencil him in for in 2023 in terms of scoring points, I was probably disrespecting him with the 14th round uh, ranking there. Now, of course, these are tight end premium rankings. Uh, this isn't a trade video, but if you can get Schultz for, like, anything less than a second, I'd probably be buying. Like, can you do... <coughs> can, you do uh, can you do a second for Dalton Schultz and a third? I don't think I would even love that. Um... But maybe scaling down from a tight end that's like a little bit more valued than him. Like, can you do can you do TJ Hawkinson for Dalton Schultz in a first? I think I would be into that. Um, but Andrew Cooper, we talked about him in the tight end rankings video. Uh, he does great work in terms of tight ends, but he's sort of really been uh, tooting the horn on this whole idea the last couple off seasons. Uh, when we look at the tight ends that finish top five without being a top two target on their team, the results are equally scarce. You have our best. Uh, Robert Tanyan, and you have Martellus Bennett. So two in about seven years, not a good bet. If the team has two pass catchers that are clearly in line for more targets than the tight end we want, just stay away. This tweet further illustrates why. So the whole idea is that since 2014, you've only had two tight ends in that span that were top five in points per game despite not being a top two target on their team. So the whole idea is that you want your tight end to have a path to being a top two target on their team so you can have the targets, the volume, be a, a main focal point in your offense. And that's what we're looking at with Dalton Schultz. He's my tight end 11 for 2023. I think you're being a bit bold if you think two of Nico Collins, Robert Woods, John Mechie out targets Dalton Schultz. He should be right in the mix to be top two on this team in targets. You're going to have, I mean, now you have CJ Stroud there. I mean, we're talking Dynasty. CJ Stroud's going to be there, you know, presumably for Dalton Schultz's entire contract. 
the team should be improved. Um, Schultz should probably be like the safety blanket main focal point in this offense. Uh, Mike Clay has his team projected for like the 18th most pass attempts. There's not a hard path for Dalton Schultz to be like the tight end six to like tight end nine uh, in points per game. You know, just depending on how this target tree sorts itself out. So I have him like, I would say a tier behind like your Evan Ingram uh, area in Dynasty. As somebody that's like, I mean, maybe he's not undervalued. It's just not, uh, he's just a guy I used to just not want any of. But now his situation has gone so bad from Dallas to the point where um, I'm open to Dalton Schultz uh, in 2023. But that is going to do it for us today. Again, if you want access to my entire top, dude, I have top 300 dynasty rankings on the Patreon. I sat down and worked on them all weekend. You have my top 300 dynasty rankings um, that are all tiered. You then have my top uh, 50 quarterbacks that have, you know, their tier their RS grade, how many spots they've moved up or down. You have that same thing for running, but you might top 100 running backs in Dynasty, top 100 wide receivers, top 50 tight ends. And for each and every single one of those players, I have neutral, hard buy, soft buy, soft sell, hard sell. Just trade recommendations across the board, ton of actionable value there. On top of that, you get anything I do for redrafts, so my redraft rankings are all live on the Patreon, giving away too much value to the people. But you can find that patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. There'll be a link in the description and a link down below in the comments. And if you can't support there, likes, subscribes, all of that stuff goes a good way. I think kind of ran long here, so we'll wrap it up now. As always, I appreciate you guys checking this out. I will see you guys in the next one. Like this froze, ice cold